The Pac-12 could soon be seeing one of its best coordinators on the move, though I don't think he should. And uh, it's a conference, by the way, the Pac-12, that should not go to an eight-game conference schedule. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved Conference of Champions, which is why, if you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch this show. Thank you to everybody who has done so already. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Just a coincidence, by the way, that this throwback Mariners shirt is matching with part of the blue on the uh, banner showing my name here on YouTube. Just kind of worked out that way. But lots of news to get to today. We'll be talking about Sam Jackson, Cal's potentially new starting quarterback later in the show with Josh Neighbors of Locked On Big 12. So let's dive into this first. Reported last night, by people who appear to know what they're talking about. I'm not a journalist. I read what other people report, and then I opine about such matters. But Washington offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb is reportedly interviewing for the Alabama offensive coordinating position. This is a guy who had a sensational year one, gave Michael Penix the best year of his career by far, helped lead Washington to an 11-win season, was ridiculously sharp, on third down and constructed the most productive passing offense in the country. He was the play caller, not Kalen DeBoer, who deserves a lot of credit as well. But Ryan Grubb, I think, is really, really sharp. And I don't think he should go take the Alabama OC job. It depends partially on what his future aspirations are, whether or not he wants to be a head coach. But the thing that he has to think about is... If that is what he wants to do one day, where does he want to be a head coach? Washington would like him to be their offensive coordinator. They've given him a raise twice this offseason with good reason because this was kind of inevitable. When you go from 4-8 and eight to 11-2 and two and your offense is the driving force and you're the play caller at a program like Washington, you're going to draw eyeballs. That is going to get on people's radars and... I was frankly surprised when the coaching carousel was, as they do in the Dr. Pepper commercial, having coaches jump off and land in your team's lap. I was surprised his name wasn't thrown around more, but now he's being interviewed strictly for a coordinator position. Whether or not he wants to be a head coach, is going to Alabama a bad idea? No, not really. You're going to have high-level players, year in and year out. You've got a great head coach there running the show. And the other thing, too, is when you go to Alabama as the offensive coordinator, how many times has a Nick Saban OC gotten a head coaching job? More times than I can count, or a defensive coordinator for that matter. We can, we can roll them off right now. Kirby Smart, Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkees, like just keep going down the list. It's not as if you're going to go there and lack 
the exposure that you need. You'd certainly get more at Alabama than you would at Washington. But with Washington having been probably the quietest 11-win team in the country in 2022, that's not going to be the case in 2023. They're going, most likely, to start in the AP Top 10. They play a notable non-conference opponent in Michigan State. People are going to be able to watch this Washington offense again. And the other thing that I think he should really, really consider before he goes running off to take the Alabama OC job, where, yes, you can put together an elite cadre of weapons, lest we forget he's got that at Washington. He's got a quarterback he knows. He's got receivers that he knows. He's got an offensive unit as a whole and a philosophy and a synergy with his head coach that he knows exceptionally well. All that stuff, in my view, should factor into his consideration. And here's the other thing. The standards at Alabama are ridiculously high. And Washington has high expectations for 2023 as well. But at Alabama, you're going to have to incorporate a new quarterback, build a new chemistry, build a new dynamic with that quarterback. You've already got that with Michael Penix. You're going to have a chance and a team that is capable of winning a conference championship. And if your long-term goal is to be a head coach, I don't think you need to go to Alabama if you're Ryan Grubb. And I also don't think that you're necessarily in a better situation. Now, is Alabama more likely to make the college football playoff than Washington? Yes, fair enough. They're more likely than, I don't know, 99%, every program not named Georgia pretty much at this point. That's where we're at. But Washington's got a shot to do it. They've got a schedule that could allow it. They've got a team that if they play to their full potential for all but one week of the year, yeah, they could get into that conversation. They're going to be starting most likely in the top 10. So I don't see the exposure going up enough to warrant the risk that is involved going to Alabama from a standards and personnel standpoint. And if he wants to be a head coach, if you if you go to Washington and you're the play caller for a team that wins 11, let's say Washington ends the year 10 and 3 in 2023. 11 wins, 10 wins as the OC at Washington, that is going to garner you head coaching opportunities. He doesn't have a history at Alabama, so there are no ties to Nick Saban. Just kind of feels like he's a little bit more of a West Coast kind of guy. You don't know what sort of jobs are going to come available. You kind of have to go wherever they are. That's the way the coaching industry works. But I would really think twice. There, there are certainly appealing elements. I'm just saying if I were him, I would run it back with the Huskies and then go into the head coaching market. Because I think you set yourself up for success more so with Washington, at least perceptually, for other schools that would consider you as their head coach in, in 2024 and beyond by having the continuity that you have at Washington. You, you know what you're going to get there. You're going to be able to produce and put up numbers if everyone stays healthy. Because we saw what they did this year. And there's no indication, really, because of how many players they're bringing back on both sides of the ball, that they aren't going to be able to have at least similar success in 2023. 
I think it's a more surefire bet to stay at Washington. And I don't think that he needs to go to Alabama in order to raise his profile sufficiently. We've seen Washington coordinators get head coaching jobs before. Just look a little bit south of Seattle, Oregon State, Cal, both jobs. By the way, the Cal job could be open in 2024. If things go way, way south, that could be a job that he gets. Maybe he doesn't want that job. But you have to think about these sorts of things if you're Ryan Grubb and not just take an opportunity that that looks really enticing. I do think he would legitimately consider it. I think he'd be foolish to not think about it. But if I were him, I I would stay with Washington for the reasons that that I outlined there. Um, Should the Pac-12 go to an eight-game conference schedule? The answer is no. The answer isn't no because FanDuel is a great, proud sponsor of ours here at the Locked On Network, but I will tell you why the answer to that question is no. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. If If you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 between the Chiefs out of the AFC and the Eagles of the NFC with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn or download the app. Your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57 is waiting for you. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Great mailbag question here from Chris Martin. You too can hop right into the mailbag and ask me a question on YouTube or on Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore pack 12 are the handles. DMs wide open, comments as well. Chris Martin, do you think the Pac-12 should move from a nine-game conference schedule to an eight-game conference schedule like the SEC to increases the chances to get a team in the playoffs? No and no. Two reasons that I don't think they should do this. Number one, I despise the conferences that play an eight-game slate and get a Week 10 layup against an FCS opponent. I think it is ridiculous. I think it is absolutely an absurd, an absurdity. And as a college football fan, I'm not going to sit here and then advocate that the conference that I support go ahead and do that. That's the first thing. The second thing is the objective for the Pac-12 is not to just get into the playoff but have a team emerge to the point where they could actually win a national championship. That's the goal of getting into the playoff, right? That, that, that's the whole point in 2023 and beyond in 2024 once a 12-team playoff arrives. Right? You could, you could ask the same question. Well, should they go to an eight-game conference slate to get more teams potentially into the 12-team playoff? No. Is there an argument for it financially? Yes. But is it going to accomplish the goal that you should actually be striving for as a conference? No, it is not. Because the formula for winning a national championship does not change. You need great players and you need great coaching. And playing one conference game less per year doesn't actually make your team, whichever one could be one game away from getting into the college football playoff at any given point in time, like say USC had played some cupcake opponent instead of Utah. 
They probably would have been 12 and 0, 12 and 1 after losing to Utah in the Pac-12 championship game and then gotten into the playoff the same way TCU did. And guess what? They wouldn't have been ready to win a national championship. Sure, it might have been fun and exciting for a little while. Yeah, it wouldn't have been bad to watch them in a semifinal game, but they weren't going to be close. If USC had been the number four team, Georgia runs them out of the building. You know why? Because they ran everybody of note out of the building this year. It does not help you achieve the ultimate goal, which is the one I would like to see the conference get to. And that's when a national championship. An eight-game conference schedule does absolutely nothing to help teams on that front. Absolutely nothing. Because if you're actually good enough to play at a national championship caliber level, which the conference has played in, what, just twice in the last 15 years, then you don't need an extra game off because you're just going to win that game and get through the conference slate with one loss, have a good non-conference win, win the Pac-12 championship, and go in at 13-1 and or whatever it would be, 12-1, and 12 and 1, 13 and 1, I don't know. You get what I'm saying. 12 and 1. That's what the Pac 12 needs. Got to keep recruiting at a higher level. Got to keep coaching at a high level. Got to keep playing at a high level. Manipulating the schedule. Leave that to the other conferences to do. And no one should be allowed to do it, by the way. SEC, ACC, don't care. No one should be able to do that. That should be a nine game conference slate across the board. The late season cupcakes are a joke. It's a laughing stock that teams are allowed to do that. I cannot stand it. Uh, another thing I cannot stand is when I make a mistake, which is why I always try and come and correct it here on the show. Yesterday, I speculated as to the potential landing spots for one Jaden Rashada, 2023 four-star, now uncommitted quarterback, and the possibility of him landing in the Pac-12 footprint. And one of you, an ASU fan on YouTube, pointed out that I left Arizona State out of that discussion. That is what you'd call a tremendous oversight on my part. How did I do that? I don't know. I've had conversations with people about it, slipped my mind. I only mentioned Washington and Cal and threw Colorado out there for fun. Going to be talking about this more on tomorrow's show. But Arizona State, also an option with a veteran quarterback that Rashada could learn from. You got an offensively capable head coach in Kenny Dillingham. And they're bringing in a lot of talent via the transfer portal. He wouldn't have to play right away. But also, Drew Pine, if he struggles, Rashada could play right away because ASU's rebuilding. They don't have massive expectations in 2023. They're just trying to win more than three games, improve from last year. So if Drew Pine were to struggle, Kenny Dillingham might look at Jaden Rashada if he's standing there on the sideline and say, uh, yeah, how about we go with the young kid here because Drew Pine isn't getting it done. And I think Drew Pine is fine. He's a solid, capable quarterback. I think he's about a half step above what Jack Plummer was for Cal last year. But there were moments where you watched the game and went, eh, I feel like Jack Plummer's not really it. Like He's okay, makes some throws, does good things from time to time, doesn't do it consistently. Arizona State, 100% a landing spot. I omitted that, and that is my bad. Talking about Rashada Moore on uh, tomorrow's show for National Signing Day, which is going to be uh, quite a whirlwind. Uh, Finally, before we get to Sam Jackson with Josh Neighbors of Locked On Big 12. Interesting expansion question here from Dean Dunbar. Spencer, what would a remaining Pac-10 Mountain West merger look like? 
Spencer's second question, what will a South expansion look like with Rice, UTSA, SMU, and Tulane? So UTSA, though intriguing, not a realistic expansion option. Notice I stopped right there. Tulane, SMU, Rice. Those schools, which will be fully evaluated on upcoming episodes of the show as expansion candidates by Spencer C. McLaughlin Esquire, are ones that could very well be in play. Talked about SMU a lot. I think that's a very likely expansion choice. But Tulane and Rice. Tulane is in Louisiana. Rice is in the Houston area. There's potential there. If, and this this is the if, it would not be just those two. And of the four, you know, this is a, a Southern pod that Dean is throwing out, which from an idea perspective, I think is really intriguing. I do. This would not come to pass. It's really hard to see an expansion plan for the Pac-12 that doesn't involve San Diego State because of Southern California. That That just feels... Like it wouldn't happen. However, you could see three of these four schools get added. There, there is a scenario that is theoretically realistic where Tulane, Rice, and SMU get added in addition to like a San Diego State, for instance. If the pack were to go to 16 teams, which would be a bold play. It would be a very bold play. It would have more risk. It could potentially have more upside if programs were able to grow their viewership over you know, several years. But you look around at the other conferences, the Big 12 is going to 14. The SEC, I believe, is going to be at 16. The Big 10 is, I think, also at 16 with, with USC and UCLA. If you're trying to just play the numbers game, those are schools to watch out for. And the other thing, too... Adding one school from Texas, which I feel like they will do with SMU, leaves them kind of without a travel partner. Like they'd probably have to link up with Colorado and then Utah would probably go with SDSU. I don't know. Like that that sort of stuff definitely matters at some level to a conference. Might not be the biggest factor, but it's a factor for sure. That is why you could see multiple teams from the South get added. If they were to go to 16 teams and have a Southern swing of expansion, Tulane, Rice, SMU, all schools, all schools to watch right there. The other question, what would a remaining Pac-10 Mountain West merger look like? I I really feel like the only thing that could happen there is the Pac-12 poaching one or both of Fresno Fresno and Boise State. I, I, I think that is... The only realistic, I could not see a conference-wide merger. I don't think the value is there. I, I don't think there's enough TV value between the two conferences to, you know, add that many programs, right? If you, and, and an, an interesting idea, perhaps, that could be worth exploration on the show one day is merging just the top programs, which would be. Boise State, Fresno State, San Diego State, probably Air Force from the Mountain West, and then mix them with like Oregon, Washington, Utah, Colorado, 
that would come to fruition maybe if Stanford and Cal got poached by the Big Ten, would the Arizona schools get left out? That, that That's an interesting thought I might have to circle back to at one point in time on, on the show. But keep those names on your radar, Pac-12 and college football expansion fans. Tulane, SMU, Rice, names to watch, as is Sam Jackson. Let's talk about Cal's newest quarterback edition. Pleased to now be joined here on Locked On Pac-12 by Josh Neighbors of Locked On Big 12 to bring us some insight from that other conference that doesn't have as cool of a tagline as our beloved conference of champions, but we appreciate him anyway. Josh, welcome back to the show. Glad to be back, man. So let's talk about Sam Jackson, who transfers to Cal from TCU. There's not a lot of information out there about him other than he transferred from TCU to Cal and has been the backup in what what has suddenly become kind of a crowded TCU quarterback room for the, the last couple of years. What can you tell us about the guy who was potentially lined up to be the Bears starter in 2023? Yeah, I guess Cal's, Cal's in the market maybe for somebody who, who's doing a bit more, right? So um, the thing about Sam Jackson, you know, that he played wide receiver in high school, then converted to quarterback and had some success, but... TCU made it a point this year of using him in some packages uh, where he could run the football. And this year he actually did pretty successfully nine carries for 64 yards and two touchdowns. And it it wasn't always like, it wasn't always garbage time. Like there was a concerted effort to get him onto the field and to get him, you know, doing some certain things. Uh, The two games where he scored Colorado and then Tarleton were not close games, but you know, he played in the, uh, they got a little run in the Oklahoma game. Like, they just wanted to try and give him some looks. Now, once it became so apparent that Max Duggan was the guy, it kind of went by the wayside, right? Like, there was really no need to get him out there. And so his PT fell away. And I think he also realized, hey, I'm going to be behind Chandler Morris as well, right? So I, I think the calculus was, we'll see how long Chandler Morris is there. Um, you know, Duggan's going to be gone, so I'm fine. And then now it's, you know, Chandler Morris didn't really play last year. It's now his turn. And Sam Jackson's like, all right, I want to I want to see if I can get somewhere else. So uh, I think that's why he's now at Cal. Interesting that you point out that he was once a, a wide receiver converted to to quarterback, last quarterback in the Pac-12 to do that was Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Not saying Sam Jackson has DTR's potential, but does that mean that athletically you describe him as above average? Yes, he's an above average athlete. Yeah, I mean, like he's not going to be – He's not going to be a lead thrower. Um, he's not going to be as good of a thrower as DTR is, but he's he's very fast. I mean, he's, he's got good speed. I think it's the fact that Cal probably wants somebody who can, once again, do a little bit of both um, with that athletically. And also, I, like one thing I think it's important to mention, too, I'm not sure how much this matters, but like he went from, um, from Naperville, which is – I went to the University of Missouri wearing my shirt right now. Knew plenty of kids around there. It is a bit more of like a liberal area. DFW is – I'm not saying it's – not liberal, but like it's, I guess, on the liberal scale, it's a bit more towards the conservative side, if you were to say, like of, of liberalism, I guess you could say. <laughs> and then obviously, Berkeley is Berkeley, right? So I, I think there is maybe a bit of a cultural fit that he's looking for. It's probably a bit more akin to what he had in Chicago, uh, Naperville being a suburb of Chicago, um, you know, in the Illinois area. So I think maybe culturally a bit more of a, an at home feeling to potentially at Berkeley. I, I think he projects as a guy who, you know, hasn't really played very much as more of a raw talent at, at quarterback athletically. And Cal really hasn't had that. I mean, Jack Plummer was a statue in in the pocket yeah. for, for the most part. And, 
Chase Garbers could move a little bit. I wouldn't describe him as an elite athlete. He was, you know, mobile, but not necessarily a, a great runner. And before that, they had Jared Goff. There was a year or two with Zach Maynard at, at the helm. So this represents a little bit of a different philosophy, just a different kind of player, which might coincide with what Cal is doing with their new offensive coordinator. We don't know what that offense is specifically going to look like at this point in time, but it seems like based on what we do know about him and how he was used at TCU, Josh, he opens up the possibility of incorporating the quarterback run into an offense that has quite literally never used it. Garbers did, I I suppose, but I wouldn't call it a feature, more something they used in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, this is a Cal offense that desperately needs a kick in the butt, right? Like they need, and I'd say the entire Cal program does. I I like Justin Wilcox. Like I, I think he is a good football coach, but I think oftentimes at a place like that, like their defense has been normally pretty good. I forget how it was last year, but like obviously he's- It was okay. It was it was yeah, way yeah. below where it usually is, and it was still middle of the conference, which is right. what, like that's what Cal is. And also now. the offense, the offense a lot of times can have something to do with that, right? The offense just isn't generating much offense. True. Like it's constantly putting your defense. I mean, I always mention this, but like bad offensive line play, like it kills your offense. It kills your defense too, because usually field position is not going to be very good and drive times are going to be shorter, putting your defense in the field longer. So I think ha- having that quarterback run means more uh, or less, uh, or uh, well, less clock stoppages, right? Less incompletions more time for the offense and their opportunity just, you know, to have the ball more, to run, run more. And I just think that's a great value for Cal to potentially, and I'm not sure, once again, I'm not sure what the battle is going to be this year, but if I'm Cal, like I'm pretty open to trying new things on the offensive side, because look at where they were four and eight last year. They desperately need to do something to kind of revamp themselves because they're so far away from what kind of good Cal golden bears football looks like. Yeah, and in the entire time that Wilcox has been there, it's been a question of can the offense take a step forward because it has always been what's held the Bears back from being a better team. They've had glimpses. They had glimpses a year ago, but it was ultimately not enough, and I think it was the right call to ultimately make a change at the offensive coordinator position. But I'm just so interested to see if, you know, even after getting excuse me a contract extension – Justin Wilcox isn't just going back to the drawing board with this addition. Not that Jackson wouldn't have garnered interest from other schools, but were there other notable or high high level programs that were going after Sam Jackson, or was this an instance where Cal was kind of the best offer that that he had seemingly because Cal is looking to just revamp how they play on that side of the ball? Yeah, so I think here's the deal with with Sam Jackson. Um, you know, out of high school, like he was a pretty highly ranked recruit. He was a four star coming out of high school. He was the 374th player in the country. So he's a guy's top 500 player. That's not a, that's no, you know, small potatoes. Um, I just think the intriguing thing about him is, is him as an athlete and just didn't get a whole lot of runs. So there's a lot of questions about him. So he's going to be added most likely at a power five program as QB depth not as a guy that you hand the keys to. So I think with that in mind, Cal is probably a place you like your chances. If we're, you know, and look, I'm sure they're going to be more than one guy, but like if I'm a highly talented recruit who can do something and bring something to the table that has not been done by a uh, Cal quarterback in a while uh, or quarterback in that system, pretty good fit. 
I think, you know, to, to potentially have a chance to make a difference for that school, because I don't think at least at the P five, I think he sees himself clearly as a power five level player and the recruiting systems would agree with him. Uh, right. So I think with that in mind, he was, all right, where can I go play P five football and where can I keyword play P5 right. football? Right. And so it's going to be, it's going to be Cal uh, is, is kind of the choice. Yeah. And I think he's got that opportunity because there's no clear other option at this point in time. There's still another portal window. I mean, Ole Miss has got three right. quarterbacks who could all reasonably start. Maybe one of them goes in and Cal tries to get into those sorts of, of sweepstakes. And one more note here is uh, Spencer. He jumped in the portal on the 10th of January and then committed the, on the 11th. So there was really no time for him to actually like it, this was this was already premeditated, if you will. Gotcha. So there had been sort of some back channel conversations yeah. and and understanding that that this was going to happen. That that makes it seem that like that in it that in and of itself, the tenth and the eleventh factor into the portal versus when he committed makes you think he's probably coming in to to be the starter. And I think yeah. if you're Cal, and I, and I think if you're Cal, you just you, you got to make some some sort of swing there. Yeah, nothing promised probably, but also at the same time too, it's like look you have a lot of confidence, your abilities. You're obviously a highly talented guy. If you're anything like, you know, like your, your abilities, you should be able to win this job. And I bet Sam Jackson's betting on that. Yeah. And that is something we will definitely be watching for in the Cal spring game. Josh neighbors locked on big 12. You want to talk about that other power five conference. That's kind of geographically close to us here in our beloved conference of champions. Go so, check him so- out. Such a rivalry. Uh, find us locked on Big 12 wherever you guys get your podcasts. And only in like television. I'm not actually on the field any rivalry at all. Uh, locked on Big 12 wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Find us at LO Big 12 on Twitter. And you guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Appreciate it as always, Josh. And uh, I think we'll just continue to build up this Pac-12 Big 12 TV rivalry. Can't wait for the media deal. Gloves are off, baby. We're yeah. we're going at it. Pac-12, when is that coming, Pac-12's by the way? We need, we, need to get that thing. we need to get that TV deal signed. Patience. Patience. Patience Patience is a virtue, as someone once said. That's all we'll say for today. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day.